Ego is a is a wild thing, but it's it's something we all have. Being an egomaniac, egotistical, is different than having an ego. I think the ego gets a bad rep. Rap, rep, is it rep like reputation, or rap like rap sheet? I think the ego gets a bad rap slash rep because you're thinking of when someone's an egomaniac, when they're egotistical. We all have an ego. You got to keep it in check. Like a lot of things, you keep it balanced. It allows you to do things. It allows you to accomplish a lot. When you become an egomaniac or you're egotistical, that's when it takes over. That's when it controls you, drives you almost blindly, uh, maybe where you're not thinking about other people. You're not thinking about how it might turn out for you, uh, good or bad. What are the ramifications? What are the results going to be? Um... Are you going to drive yourself into the ground, you know? A lot of people who have accomplished big things, or even, you know, lesser than big things, let's not say small, um, you have an ego and you can use it to your advantage. A lot of artists, we have egos. doesn't mean we're all egomaniacs. But to want to get up on stage in front of a couple hundred or a couple thousand people and spill your guts in a song or playing an instrument or, you know, telling jokes... You kind of got to, you know, some people say a little crazy. No, you got to be an ego. You got to have this kind of, it's kind of like a strange confidence and a drive that will make you get up there and do that. Because a lot of people won't. They're scared of that. I mean, they'll go and watch somebody do it. They might even heckle and make fun of them, but they wouldn't dare do it themselves. Or even, to, you know, to be on, a, on the court or on the field with a stadium, whether it's, you know, in high school, college, or professional stadium with hundreds and thousands of people there, plus TV. You got to have a little ego. Yeah, you got love for the game. You love the sport, what it brings you, maybe the camaraderie. But your ego is driving you to do it on a grand scale. You know, to write books and think that people actually want to sit there and fucking read them and quote them and, and all that stuff. It takes a little bit of an ego. To run a big business or to be a high-ranking politician, you got to have a, a, an ego and you got to use it. You know, one might even say they might be sociopathic, the, the politician business guys. But we all have it. You use it to your advantage. Maybe to talk to that girl you're scared of, to go for that job, whatever it is, to do that one more pull-up. But sometimes the ego takes over, and that's when you might become egotistical, an egomaniac. Well, I did these great things. I could do anything. You kind of feel invincible, right? People with positions of power, you know, maybe it's rich people or rich kids of rich people or politicians like... You know, you get in any carbon bar, you buy your way out of, out of trouble with the law. You feel like you're untouchable because of, you know, where you come from, what your daddy does, what you have for money, what you've accomplished. Pfft, I got, come on, let me in this place. You know, come on, I'm not going to pay for this. Do you know who I am? You know, getting arrested by the cops. Do you know who I am? You know who my dad is? Um, that's one. And that's usually an egotistical thing. And a, a fun little Jake the Snake tidbit here on Damaged Goods Podcast. The do you know who my dad is thing. One time. Uh, the snake man and a friend, uh, or maybe the snake man and a friend, we'll say allegedly, um, may or may not have been apprehended by authority figures known as police in New York City for some silly thing. And, uh, you know, it's the weekend, so you're going to be in there till Monday. Um, and we were in somewhere in Manhattan. They take you first to the, the local precinct where they hold you for as long as they got it before you go to the tombs, which is the Manhattan jail's underneath the courts. That's why they call them the tombs. They're in the basements. It's actually the same jail where Jeffrey Epstein 
was held when he was not suiciding himself. And a lot of other people have been there. They're up top in more, I don't know, nicer prison quarters, probably guarded by more. The, 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 the tomb jails are various cells down there. And anybody goes there from, you know, drunk and disorderly, uh, maybe pissing in public, missing an alimony payment, uh, fighting, rape, murder, things like that. You're waiting to see the judge, the court. Maybe you're going to Rikers. Maybe you're getting bailed out. Anyway. Uh, it's a Friday night, and me and my friend are, we're just in the precinct, the local precinct, before we eventually end up in the tombs for three days before we go there. And it's like a small cell. There's probably 10, 12 of us. A lot of people just there for being drunk or stupid. Well, who knows? And we're sitting there, and we're tired, but we're not going to sleep. And some drunk kid, kind of looks like a preppy dickhead, comes in, and uh, he's yelling at the cops when they put him in the cell. You don't know who my, do you know who my dad is? And they're like, yeah, yeah, dude. I'm sure they get that a lot. This kid's like, you know, you don't know who my fucking dad is. He's screaming, acting a big deal. We're all like, the fuck is this kid? Two hours later, cops come to the cell, fucking open the door. He's he's gone. He's out. Apparently, they did not know who his dad was, and his father, whoever that was, um, was somebody that got him out, whether he made the phone call or whatever. So it works sometimes, I guess, if you have that power, if your father is actually somebody of... of um, reputable stature and pull that did not work for us we were there for three days until monday morning anyway uh but yeah the eagle the eagle the ego will drive you to do a lot of things and i've always been fascinated by people who are extremely successful at one thing whether it be sports music acting you know not necessarily like business but i guess within the realm of arts or athletics successful like your professional athlete you're a, a very well-known famous musician, famous actor, actress, whatever. When you're good at and accomplished at that and you want to try to do another thing within the realm of the arts or maybe from the arts to athletics, you know, well, it's, listen, I'm such a great actor and I won an Oscar and I've been in these movies, I make so much money, why don't I try music? Why don't I start a band? Or you know, I'm, I'm pretty good on the court, I'm, I'm in the NBA, I'm an all-star, why don't I put out an album? Because you're so good and accomplished at something that's very hard to do. That, that most people, even the really good ones, won't make it. The, the chances are so low. And you did that. You clawed, you clawed your way to the top. You got there. And, uh, and, you, and you did well. And you made money. You're like, well, fuck, what can I not do? And I, I, I love music. I know how to play the guitar. I like to rap. I know how to write. Why don't I give this a shot? Or, you know, um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fucking musician. But, you know what, I really like baseball. Let me get on the field. Um, Sometimes I wonder, is this person, you know, really talented, focused, driven, or is their ego taking over a little? I want to do music, too, like it's a fun, like it's a hobby, but it's not a hobby, because a hobby is doing it with your, your boys in the garage, you know, maybe you're recording, you're not putting it out, maybe you're playing little fun shows, but you're trying to do do it, like, you know, get on stage and tour and be known as, you know, yeah, that's the actor, but that's his band, or, oh, that's the athlete, but this is their rap album, or whatever. Is it because they really love it, they're really driven, focused, and good, and they dedicate themselves completely to this new craft? Or are they a little egotistical? Are they a bit of an egomaniac that because they were so good at X, they assume or think they'll be good at Y, and not only will they be good, but the public will accept and love them at that, you know, with the peers in this new field they're going to, whether new fellow athletic peers or musical peers or what have you, respect and like them, with, with those fans accept and like them. Um, I think it's, it's kind of interesting. And so I wanted to hear on this Damaged Goods episode, this Snake Man Flying Solo, episode 
to to kind of bring you the I want to do music too podcast episode. But it's not just music. I'm going to talk about actors and athletes um, who you know wanted to try to do music. Some some actually kind of successful. Some not. Uh, as well as some af uh, some rather some musicians who you know stepped into the realm or tried to step in the realm of professional athletics and a couple other notable little uh, crossovers. Uh, I want to like I want to do music too. That's my my baby voice. I'm so successful. I can do it too, like a hobby. And some people, some musicians will look at the actor who's trying to do this. Like, yo, man, this is really our craft. We take up this seriously. You're just coming in here, or you know, I'm sure athletes look at like, oh, dude, you fucking run around on stage with a guitar and scarves on. You want to get on the field? And yes, I'm smoking some um, CBD cigarettes, so it might sound like that. But uh, um. I actually, I think in the realm of comedy, comedians seem to get the most perturbed uh, when non-comedians, whether they're actors or comedic actors that aren't stand-ups per se or musicians, try to do comedy like, oh, I'm funny with my friends. Oh, I, can, I can just jump on stage and tell jokes. And I think they really get upset at that. Because you can be funny and you're not necessarily going to be a stand-up. Like, I'm, I'm funny. At least I consider myself funny. My, my writing is humorous. Sometimes the podcast is humorous. You could tell me if it is or not. My friends, but they think I'm funny. I would never try to do stand-up. I might be funny on radio shows and stuff. Maybe if I did some comedic acting. Who knows? But I'm not trying to do a stand-up thing. Uh, that's a whole different medium, and that's tough, and I ain't, trying to, I ain't trying to do that. My ego isn't that crazy. I think at one time it was the ayahuasca shattered it. Maybe that's why I stopped jumping on stage in front of hundreds or whatever people to do music, and now I hide behind a, a computer typing out my emotions and stories and feelings so you can read about it later in a book. Or I talk into a microphone on a podcast or a radio show so you can uh, absorb it all. So let me, without further ado, without these long snake man delays, let's get into this. And this might be a long one. We might split this into two episodes. I don't know. Uh, I'm going to go through first some actor, actresses, people like that who... Uh, Attempted to delve into the realm of music, and then we'll get into some, um, you know, musicians or actors and people that try to go into athletics. And I'll throw in a couple other mentions of, of notoriety. If there's anyone I didn't mention, hit me up, DM me, whatever. Maybe we'll do we'll put it in the second episode if I split this one up, or I'll shout it out. I'm sure I'm gonna miss some people, and I ain't shitting on these people. I'm sorry if you really loved, you know, blank blank's album after their, you know, sixth Oscar nomination and they went and did an album. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just talking about what, what these people did because I think it's interesting. And you could, I'll leave it up to you, like a choose-your-own-adventure, you could decide, was this person really into the craft that they tried to get into later? Were they passionate, a genuine interest? Or was it really just some ego shit where they just driven by it? You know what? I always love music and I'm so fucking talented and rich, I can do anything. And I think there is some truth to when you get rich and famous or, or rich and powerful, even if it's not from fame, there can be a bit of delusion. You do kind of live in a bubble. Maybe you're hanging around with a lot of yes men, no friends or a family that really check you and challenge your ego or call you on your bullshit. Well, you think you can do anything and you're kind of out of touch with reality of what people might think. I'm always impressed and I admire and love um, famous people, celebrities who at least seem to stay in touch with reality and, and where they stand in it and don't, I don't know, get too grandiose about themselves. Uh, so without further ado, let's start off on a nice sweet note 
with good old Scar Joe, Scarlett Johansson, um, the blonde actress you might know from many of movies. Um, and uh, I did not notice about her. She's been out, I don't know, almost 20 years, right? I don't know when her, her fame really started to peak. But um, between 2008 and 2009, she released two albums. That's in, a, that's in one year. That's kind of prolific. You know, shit, Jay Electronica doesn't do that. Nas didn't do that till recently. So ScarJo dropped two albums. Uh, one was solo, and one was a uh, collaboration with Peter Yorn, which is, you know, it's interesting when, like, accomplished musicians will collab with these celeb crossover ones, and you got to wonder, does this famous accomplished musician respect this person's art? Do they see some talent and genuine skill in there, or are they getting paid? Is their check being cut? Because that's a big thing, too. People will... People will co-sign some whack shit for some money. Um, she had a debut album called Anywhere I Lay My Head, and it was, it was mostly covers of Tom Waits songs, which is kind of interesting. What genre are you going to try to go into? I usually assume they're going to go into some poppy shit that's going to bring success, but if you're already rich and famous, maybe you don't have to try to go for that big, successful pop shit. You can kind of do like a passion project. You don't even care if you lose music. I mean, lose money. So maybe ScarJo didn't really care how people you know perceived it she a big tom waits fan so she drops it and she had collaborations with like i think david bowie was on it and some of the yeah yeah yeahs were on it which is that's kind of wild um she hasn't done anything since then uh she did sing on a uh, song on a jungle book soundtrack and um she did start a group with uh, one of the women from the group haim or haim 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 i'm gonna be pronouncing that wrong h-a-i-m uh, and the group was called Singles, but I think they got a cease and desist from another band called Singles. So in line with young, attractive actor, actresses of Hollywood, Ryan Gosling, every, everybody's sweet little Canadian heartthrobby actor. Um, I actually respect this one because I think Ryan Gosling is a pretty good actor minus a couple shitty flicks. He's done some great stuff, a lot of good indie flicks. Him and his boy, Zach Shields, uh, they started a band or a group, you could say, called um, Dead Man's Bones. And this is about 2009. So he's already, you know, popping. He's already got a good career. And uh, if you've ever seen the movie Drive, which he's in, the Nicholas Winden Reffin movie, incredible soundtrack. It features this group, this band, Chromatics are on it, who I love. Um, Gosling would, would uh, it shows, listen, it shows that he knows his music shit. Because later he directs his only um, movie called Lost River, which is a good, good flick. His directorial debut, the Chromatics, that band, they did the soundtrack. He picked them to do the whole shit, which I thought was dope. Um, and, you know, he, he, I didn't watch La La Land because I don't fuck with musicals. Snake Man don't do musicals. But I think he sings in that, so that shows off his musical chops. But him and his boy, this Dead Man's Bones band, it was, um, they didn't really push it hard they they toured i think once they weren't really trying to shove it in your face and he didn't make it like yo it's ryan Gosling's band he didn't use his stardom to promote it which that's why i respect it he obviously you know loves music and he probably loved making that project but to not go all the way using the name to to get attention and stuff with it shows that i don't know he's not too egotistical in that realm so i, I like that I, um, I appreciate that Bruce Willis. Oh, yes, Bruce Willis, the diehard actor. Now, Bruce Willis has been around for a grip. 80s. What was that show? Moonlighting. That was a show my mother used to watch. Um, 
this is back in the 80s is when he was doing music before the 90s uh before the first die hard um and you know really when he would kind of gravitate to becoming a action star an action movie star that you know i think we all associate him with those films he had an album called return of bruno i don't know is, is bruce short for bruno i don't know um because Willis ain't Italian or Spaniard. Bruno, I associate that name with it. Uh, it was an R&B album. And makes me kind of want to listen to it. Because 80s R&B albums were a little Cynthian production. Uh, to kind of fit the times. But I guess he had the Pointer Sisters and the Temptations on it. Which is impressive. I mean, those are some legendary legendary acts. It makes you wonder. Did, did Bruce Willis, did John McClane cut him a check? Or were they genuinely like, oh yeah, okay, we, we rock with it. I mean, everyone gets paid, especially if there's major label budgets to be dealt with. But some people will turn it down regardless of the money because they're like, dude, this guy is trash. You know, I can't, I, it's going to ruin my rep if I do this. If I co-sign this by being on it, my association with it, am I going to lose respect in the music industry? Sometimes it doesn't matter because you need the fucking money. So uh, he did, a, I guess there was an HBO mockumentary that uh, Willis was in, kind of about his, this Bruno Randolini, his, his fictitious alter ego, his Italian uh, R&B figure, which is interesting. He chose like some Italian kind of created figure. I don't know. But I guess it reached number 14 on Billboard, which is it's pretty goddamn good. Now, this is the 80s. A lot of crazy, stupid shit was going on in the 80s with art. I think some of the worst movies are made in the 80s. Just ridiculous plot lines, except for action flicks. I think that's the one genre that was, I don't know, kind of doing it right then. But, yeah, he hits it pretty big. And he has another album in 98, about 11 years later, but it doesn't even chart. It's, it's a flop. Russell Crowe, the gladiator, right? Let me, let me light this CBD cigarette up. It's, it is. No THC. I'm on a sabbatical, a ganja sabbatical. Russell Crowe, uh, the Australian actor, back in the 80s, so I don't, I don't think he really popped, at least in America, in acting until the 90s, but he had this, I don't know if it was his band's name or his like moniker, it was Russ Le Rock, L-E space R-O-Q, no U after the Q, Le Rock, which is very uh, French. I don't know if Crowe is French, I don't think so. I think that's... Um, Scottish, but I could be fucking wrong. Anyway, he uh, wrestled rock was back in the 80s. And then later, him and his, his boy, they formed this band called Roman Antics with an X, A-N-T-I-X, which makes me feel like it's hard rock. And then it became 30-odd foot of grunts. That seems like a very like 90s shit band that I would hate name title, where they were just people were just throwing fucking various words uh, at the wall, whatever stuck, like, let's add them all together and make some stupid band name that has no significance to us as artists. I don't know. I don't like that. 30-odd uh, foot of grunts. They released three albums. That's quite a bit. The last one, 2003, and they toured, and then they disbanded. Um, then he had another band, Russell Crowe and the Ordinary Fear of God. What a fucking... I do like... That's a very 70s, 60s thing. The person's name and the whatever the band... Um, ordinary fear of God, uh, but this is 2012, and he he had a he sang in some like Broadway adapted movie. Oh, the Les Misérables. So I guess he can sing. I never watched it again. Fucking musical, not for the Snake Man. 
Um, I guess he could sing. I don't know. I don't want to see him singing. I don't want to see the movie no matter what. I don't care who's fucking singing. And I guess now he's in a band called The Garden Party. This dude just loves it. So maybe he really does love it. And I never heard him pushing it like at Russell Crowe's band. So maybe it's a passion project. Maybe. I don't know. Who the fuck knows? All right. Um, uh, sorry, I'm skipping around. Uh, I guess I'll bounce to maybe some, i switch it up another athlete turned musician, Shaquille O'Neal. Shaq. Also Q with a no U after it, unless you go to the Shaquille part. He's a man of many talents, and uh, I think he first came out with his, his, his Shaq D's album, yeah, 93. It goes number 25 on Billboard charts. It's not higher than Bruce Willis. Shit, John McClane beat him out. Although, this is early 90s rap wasn't charting as high yet. Hadn't taken over. Um, as far as ballers, basketball players turned rappers, I would probably say Shaq might be... He might be the most respected or maybe even the best. I don't know if he's the best, but I mean, he worked with a lot of talented dudes and nobody really clowns on him like they do the other ballers. I mean, he, he, he did fucking shit with Biggie. Uh, you know, Fife Dog. Um, he did like four albums too. He, he did quite a bit. Uh, he told Billboard that, uh, you know, having a music career for me ain't a joke. Like he took it seriously. He really, really respected it. And, I, you know, I dig that. Now he was huge at the time. When Shaq first came on the scene, he was like, larger than life literally you know physically as well as just like his presence and uh the 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 rap shit kind of came right after his he came on the scene of the nba um he had a, also a dude he had a fucking couple of diss tracks in like 2017 which is pretty recently you gotta love you gotta love a baller turned rapper who's got some diss tracks it was at lavar ball uh, the father of NBA player Lonzo Ball. So he didn't, like, you know, go against other MCs, but he went <laughs> another, uh, you know, basketball, you know, realm, I guess you would say. God, I love that word. But it's kind of hilarious. And then he got into, like, a rap beef with this comedian, Michael Depa, who I don't know. I guess he goes by Big Shaq, S-H-A-Q, as well. So that was, you know, beef probably over the name. Um, but I, I I thought that was funny that he he, he did diss tracks. Um Okay, the next one, it's, it's like surprisingly extra whack. Does that make sense? Surprisingly extra whack? Uh, and I'll tell you why. Jada Pinkett Smith, who you guys all know uh, from cheating on Will Smith and making him look silly. <laughs> no, no. Uh, she's, she's been in a lot of great flicks and all that. But the surprisingly extra whack part of this is that her and her new metal band, yep, you heard it right, new metal New fucking metal. Okay, it's one of the worst genres in music. Right up there with like dubstep and pop country. I mean, I, I didn't even know the term new metal until maybe like eight years ago. What it is, it's like your Limp Bizkits, your, 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 uh, your Disturbed, your Corns, like more, I don't know, bands like that. I used to call it suburban strip mall rock because I didn't know kids that listened to it uh, at all. But it was like, you know, maybe they go to the mall and they go to whatever stores to buy. God, I don't even know what kind of clothes they wore. They just, it was whack. It was not my thing. Anyway, um, they, they had one self-titled album in 2006. Um, and guess who was the executive producer? Oh, her right-hand man and husband, Will Smith. That's right. Will Smith. Um, wild times, dude. <laughs> and But she also had uh, one of the dudes from this band, Fishbone, who I, I liked, um, uh, Philip Fisher on the drums. So, 
either he needed money or he respected her or whatever. Maybe they had a friendship. Who the fuck knows? They they dealt with a lot of backlash from metal fans. Shocker, dude. Because metal fans are, are tough. And metal fans are tough on new metal and new metal fans. They look down on that. Uh, I, I worked for a very famous new metal band once on tour as a roadie. But I was coming from working for real like heavy metal, thrash metal bands. And, you know, a check's a check. Dudes, do what you got to do as a roadie. When I went back to work for some of these legendary metal bands, and they were like, oh, what'd you just come off the road of? What, what tour? I told them, they're like, oh, my God, you had to be around those dudes. And they got, you know, jokes for days about the new metal bands. So anyway, metal fans really, you know, snapped at Jada Pinkett Smith's band. And um, she, I guess, got some death threats. <laughs> they played OzFest, though, which is kind of crazy. Um, that's a big metal festival. And... She said, she's like, oh, I understand the confusion, but I, she said, always been a metal fan. I get it, but new metal? Ugh. And just because you've been a fan, man, it's tough to just enter the, the different art genre, the different realm, <laughs> uh, just because you're a fan. Just because you're a fan. But I guess she enjoyed what she did, uh, and the, they were still doing the shows up until like five, six years ago. Um, but I guess it's over, dude. Thank God, right? <laughs> Uh, Keanu Reeves, speaking of, of Matrix actors, because Jada Pinkett Smith was in one of the Matrixes. I don't know. I saw the first one. I'm not a huge fan. Don't come down my throat for that. That sounded... <laughs> that was suspect as hell. <laughs> oh, if I was from New York, I would have said pause. But don't yell at me about that. But uh, anyway, uh, fellow Matrix actor, Keanu Reeves. Okay, so before John Wick is blowing off heads with every gun that's ever been built with a bullet in his chamber... Uh, before he was catching waves with Bodhi and the ex-presidents, Keanu, he had a grunge band. Started a grunge band in 96, which is when grunge was like, you know, still a thing. It was called Dog Star, and um, some drummer that he randomly met in the supermarket, which sounds um, on par for Keanu's vibe, because he doesn't seem like a guy who's too wrapped up in Hollywood, and maybe is still a little in touch with reality, uh, not too calm, you know, he's maybe not an egomaniac or egotistical. He played bass and just did the backing vocals. He wasn't even trying to be the front man, which shows he's not super egomaniac because he just wanted to do the music. If you really egomaniac, you want to be front man all the time. They did a couple albums and the EP, and I guess they weren't bad if that's your style of music, you know. Um, in a GQ interview, he said he felt bad for other guys in the band having to face... Uh, the skepticism society reserves for moonlighting actors, you know, saying that, you know, is, is the press, is, is tabloids, are they going to say, oh, here's this famous actor who's just going to try to do music and start a band because he's whatever. And then they're, essentially it hurts the band members with him. Are they not taken seriously? So that's kind of cool that he even expressed and, and, and owned up to that or acknowledged it. But, uh, you know, maybe because of his star power, they toured Australia, New Zealand with like Bon Jovi. He opened for David Bowie. He performed on The Tonight Show. So that's all pretty, that's all pretty big. And, and, you know, Keanu doesn't seem like too much of a kooky dude. All right. And let's, uh, let's I guess, switch gears or flip the flop, right, the other way. These are some athletes that took a stab at music, you know, right? They conquered... They conquered the gridiron or, or the, the court or the, the rink or the track or whatever. And they want to take a stab at music. Because, you know, this is the thing. Everybody, well, I'd like to imagine everybody likes music. If you don't like any music, you must be weird. Maybe you hate a lot of genres and you only like classical. You only like whatever. You only like country. You only like whatever. That's At least you like one. To be void of a love for music, it, 
I met one person like that. Granted, we were young and, you know, young teenagers. Maybe they, maybe their parents didn't fucking play music. I don't know, which is weird. But to, to think someone's void of an appreciation for music is kind of just mind-blowing. But being that we all like music, whatever genres you're into, you maybe you watch the videos, you look at the posters. I don't know if people look at the posters anymore. <laughs> you listen to the albums. Maybe, you know, to, to hype you up for the game. I mean, that's a big thing in sports, and, you know, you're feeling it, man. You know, what, it'd be cool to get on stage or get in a fucking booth, get in a studio, and play this guitar, spit some bars. I could do it. I sing along to songs. I rap along to songs. You know, me and my friends used to fuck around and freestyle or used to play guitar in the garage or the basement. I do karaoke when I'm drunk. I could do this. Well, that's the egotistical approach. Now, what if you was playing guitar when you were growing up as well as playing basketball? Or you were always, you know, DJing or rapping while you were also playing golf. And, well, I, you know, I diverted just to, to do sports because I was better at it and I, you know, I made it. But I still want to go back to my other passion of music. So these are some uh, athletes. And again, if I miss them, dude, sorry. Hit me in the fucking DMs or something. These are some athletes that uh, took a stab at music. Most of the time during their career as a professional athlete, which that that's tricky. I mean, there's off seasons and all that, but uh, rarely is it after their retirement. So let's let's start it off with Kobe. Uh, and you know, LA Laker fans and Kobe fans, don't fucking get mad at me. I know the dude's passed, uh, and I love him. I respect him. I'm a fan. Um, but here he goes. 2000, Kobe Bryant. He's an NBA all-star at the time. He drops a single called Kobe. K.O.B.E. I don't know what the acronym stands for. I didn't take the time to research it. I just don't care. It's off his Visions album. Uh, single fucking flops. Doesn't do well. And this is on Sony, which is a big major label. He's already a star. Doesn't do good. The single doesn't do good. He, You know, it used to be... In hip-hop especially, you had an album, you either working on it or you did it, but you have a single and a second follow-up single ready and there's a rollout promotional plan. And that's how the label, you know, preps the release and kind of can gauge where the fans are at with it. Oh, this single worked. We're going to follow it up with this other one in line with it. Oh, that one didn't work. Let's try another way. Maybe we have to get a guest feature, an appearance, or maybe we got to scrap the whole fucking album. we got to push it back, something. I don't know. That's how there was a rollout. Nowadays, it's very different. Single flops. Sony decides, and this is kind of wild because I'm sure, you know, Kobe's a big name, but they just, these, these dudes are music dudes. They must have been like, nah, dude, fucking, this is a bad look for us and we'll lose more money. They scrapped the album. They don't even put it out because that costs money, the promo, the actual rollout. Yeah, you spent money to record it and all, but to, to press it, to get it in stores, to do the press and, and PR, that all extra money. They scrap it. They never put it out and they drop him. Nothing but net, if you call the trash can net. <laughs> uh, but yeah, anyway, I love Kobe. All respect, do. Don't get mad. And now we, we transition from basketball to tennis. Um, I guess, I don't know if this is just my perception. Some people think of tennis as more of a reserve sport. You know, I ain't never been to a, a professional tennis match. But you see, it's very quiet. There's a little clapping, almost like golf. You know, you hear the the, the players are grunting, but it's it's kind of quiet. It's it's regal, maybe I don't know. Sports I grew up playing and going to, you know, baseball, basketball, hockey. The the crowd is loud. You know, there's a lot of intensity, and the players are loud. You know, fighting fucking hockey, they basically letting you fight. You know, baseball is a crazy fighting sport. 
McEnroe was actually known. I mean, he was a A1 player, but he was known for being kind of a, I don't want to say rough and tumble, but he, you know, he talked a lot of shit. He would start verbal altercations, throw his racket. He definitely added a little spice, if you will, to the, the otherwise kind of regal game of tennis. Um, he was definitely always like wilding out. I mean, for House of Pain has that lyric like, uh, I'll whoop your ass. Was he? I'll whip your ass like John McEnroe. Is that what um, Everlast says? But yeah, he was known for fucking going at it. Um, and I, I guess this one is, is, is a lot of people don't like his musicianship. They called him a, a very awful athlete musician. But this, he, at least he waited till his tennis career was over. Uh, he he uh, was in this band, the Johnny Smith's band, or Smith band, with a Y, um, after the career, which I guess is good. Maybe you're like, you know, in your, your twilight, your retirement, you don't want to totally be bored. Let me, let me take a crack at some music. Um, he was married to Patti Smith, which I, very famous musician. I didn't know that. And I wonder if that connected to the Johnny Smith band. Again, didn't do the research on this one that much because I didn't care. And it's, I can't go too deep into that. That's not the main focus here on this episode. I'm going into more about the, the athlete or the musician or, or the actor trying the other thing. Uh, but they were married in 97, and she, I guess, had allegedly told John McEnroe, one of us will be working away from home on a music tour in the future, and it ain't going to be you. Which is kind of a cold thing to say to your, your husband um, that, you know, I'm a famous musician, I'm going on tour, you're not good enough. I mean, also, you, you traveled the world playing tennis on a professional level. Not like, they don't tour per se, but I do know that Professional tennis matches take place in various cities and countries. So, yeah, you travel. And, like, yo, you're not some bum-ass dude that's married to Patti Smith and she's talking down to you. You're a world-class professional tennis champion. You've definitely had your time in the sun, as they say. And maybe this wasn't his ego being too big. Maybe it was. I mean, he did at least wait till his tennis career was over, but wasn't very good, apparently. So, And the thing is, if, if you're famous and rich, you might have a lot of yes-men around you. Right, people that want to get paid. Shit, we're gonna get to playing blah blah blah's band, even though they might suck. But at least you know maybe they'll sell some tickets or whatever. And every musician that's not on wants to get on. You're looking for any break, any foot you could get in the door. So you might not want to be so critical of your friend or your bandmate, like John McEnroe, whoever, even if the shit sucks. Because if you say, hey, maybe we should change that, or I don't think that's working. He might be like, oh, yeah, you know what's not working? You and this fucking band. Beat it, dude, you know? So that's where Yes Men come about. Even with, you know, people who are aspiring to be an artist that aren't famous yet. You got your friends around. They might not be feeding you bullshit because they want to stay in, but they're your boys. So, they're, you know, everything's dope. But then you, you get a, maybe a false sense of how good your stuff is, whether it's just the whole career or this one song you're working on in the studio. And that's Yes Men. They say yes to everything, and then... You go out there and you release some shit and then the, the critics fucking tear you apart and the crowd's throwing, you know, tomatoes at you. You wish it was tomatoes. It's probably a bottle. Most likely a, a beer bottle or a glass or uh, some shit like that. Or nowadays they probably just yell at you on fucking social media. Cyber bully you. But uh, yeah, Patti Smith said that to John McEnroe and I wonder if that caused a divorce because that's a cold ass thing she could have phrased it better but it's a good thing you'd be like hey baby you're like a superstar tennis player and the music's i know you love it but you're not very you know it's i don't know if it's gonna you know don't sink all your money and your savings into it and 
you know, just do it for fun. You know, play small little shows locally and stuff like that. That's cool. You know, that's cool, right? George W. Bush, fucking former president, not the sharpest tool in a shed and went AWOL and all this crap. And now he slangs paintings, I guess. And I don't know, but he's probably always in the painting. Uh, he probably, I don't know if he was an egomaniac or he's just wild, but he, he's all about the painting now. No one, I don't know if it's good or not. Maybe it's really good. Who knows? Maybe Hunter Biden's paintings are fire. I don't know. You smoke a lot of crack and hang out with some ladies of the night off, and you might get inspired to make some artsy shit. I haven't seen it. I don't know. Uh, all right, back to basketball. AI, Allen Iverson. Um, f- uh, former NBA commissioner David Stern, who was very much despised by a lot of people in the NBA and fans who try to keep a, I don't know, a tight leash on what players could and couldn't do, where, things of that nature. Um, I, there's like kind of, uh, I don't know if this is true, theory, alleged, urban folklore, rumor, but David Stern, the NBA commissioner, kind of tried to maybe help kill Iverson's music career or stop it after he, he had a controversial single called 40 Bars. Um, and he wasn't going by AI or Allen Iverson. He was going by Jules, Jewels with a Z, like the, uh, the OC, um, song and album spelled like that and this is like around 2000 2001 and i think the reason stern wanted to do it like i was saying before he's really trying to keep a, um uh, under wraps what players couldn't couldn't do what they couldn't wear what they were doing off the court don't hurt the brand of the nba we're trying to sell tickets kids at a big market blah 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 you know it's family it's family even though if you've ever been to a live sporting event everybody's cursing at each other the, the players the referees the fans kids um there was a lot of profanity in the lyrics, and they were not into that. Stern wasn't into that. The NAACP called the song misogynistic, nihilistic, pugilistic, and homophobic. A lot of istics and then homophobic. Uh, a lot of that could be said for many rap songs. I think being that he was a superstar basketball player, NBA, and you know, kids look up to him and stuff. There's always the role model thing, you know, or like, you know, you're gonna influence the kids. I wonder how many people were fucking really checking for the AI record. I mean, maybe initially. Um, and I guess the NAACP and Stern publicly kind of ganged up on him or whatever. I don't know. So I guess AI agreed to make an edited version, which usually everyone does for, for singles if they're released. And then he just decided to scrap the album. Um, maybe the, the feedback wasn't good. Maybe his boys weren't yes men. Maybe he, you know, wasn't trying to lose his fucking NBA contract because that's the money. That's the big money. You make it a lot more than rappers. Um, excuse me, I'm hiccuping, dude. I've been hiccuping for three fucking days. But AI totally didn't bail on rap. Uh, his former girlfriend, DeBrat, is where I read this. Uh, DeBrat, the female rapper from Chicago, who I was always under the uh, impression, and perhaps the snake man's malinformed, uh, was a lesbian. Um, not just judging that based off her dress and all that, and like the video where she's like taking a shit with braids on in her hair and all that. Uh, but just because I thought she was always kicking it with ladies, I could have been wrong. Maybe she she likes to play on both teams. I don't I don't know. Um, but she was the first female rap solo artist with a platinum record, which is wild. I didn't I didn't. I mean, I thought maybe Salt and Pepper, but that's not a solo. Oh yeah, yeah. So this is solo. So yeah. Um, but yeah, that was his girlfriend. I never heard of that. It'd be wild, like your girl is is uh, you know platinum selling rapper, and you are struggling to get a record out. But again, 
That's if you were just trying to be a musician, aspiring to be a rapper. You're already an NBA all-star, which might be harder. You can put out independent rap records. You can't put out an independent professional basketball career. Yeah, you can go play in Europe, which is still ill, playing college and stuff like that, or street ball and make some bread, but it's hard to get in the NBA. Again, basketball player. Uh, Meta World Peace, or Ron Artest, as, as you know, most people know his original name. The dude's from QB. He's from Queensbridge Projects in Queens, New York. Queensbridge is, if you don't know, it's home to a lot of legendary MCs, a lot of hip-hop history. You got uh, MC Shan and Marley Maul. You got Nas, Mob Deep, or really Havoc. I mean, technically, Prodigy was like Mount Vernon, but he was always in QB, repping it, whatever. Uh, Roxanne, Shantae, Cormega, Tragedy, Lake, uh, more. And I'm sure there's some young cats I don't know. Um... So I'm sure that influenced his passion to rhyme. It's not just that these famous rappers came from where he did, but you know, there's park jams, there's dudes MC, and if you're if you're in the the, the age group or these other people, the, the peer group, you you know, you maybe you're growing up with them. They're they're ascending in their careers as you're ascending in yours, and um, you know, uh, Meta World Peace, Ron Artest, he's a he was a tough ass dude. There's a dope doc on showtime who has the best documentaries about him i'm forgetting the name but it's a great one you should watch it um he was a pretty tough ass dude uh known for, you know for scrapping he could he could fold some motherfuckers no joke and hard in the paint going with the d his d was rough defense no no don't make me say pause like i'm from new york again the defense was rough this is sports you know in sp professional sports the announcers say the word like penetration all the time in football and stuff come on man his defense was crazy uh, and, you know, some cats might think basketball players who want to rap are kind of soft or that's silly. Ron Artest uh, was far from that, as we've seen. And, you know, there's some athletes maybe realize they're getting paid a lot of bread. They're, you're playing a game for, for, you know, a career, which, I mean, you still got to dedicate your body and your time to it. It's, it's stressful. You got thousands of people yelling and saying crazy shit to you, doing it online. It, it's tough. I get it. But... It's, it's like something you play as a kid, and you're blessed if you get to do it professionally. Yeah, we all, not all, but most of us played sports as a kid, whether taking it serious or just in the neighborhood. So it's kind of cool to like throw a ball in a hoop and dribble and get paid a lot of money from it. And I'm not belittling like professional sports. That's fucking nuts. I could never do that shit. I could barely do it in high school or middle school. Um, so a lot of people assume since you get paid gazillions of dollars to, to do this, that should be your priority. And they usually don't want you going off and trying to play another sport like some athletes because you're going to get hurt playing football, but we want you back here for baseball season. So at least music isn't like physically dangerous, although, you know, rappers get fucked up sometimes. Or you could just be silly and fall off stage and hurt your ankle. But the time, the energy, don't focus on rap. Don't focus on that. Get in the fucking, get out of the studio, get in the fucking gym, get, get, get on the court. So uh, he was kind of an exception in some ways people thought. Uh, Indiana Pacers, right? Like he was, he was playing for the Pacers, 2004 championship contender, you know, playoffs. And he's asked, he's asking for time off to promote his upcoming solo album during the season. Um, which some people were like, "Yo, you're doing a little too much music." But he really had a passion for this. He was saying, "Can I give time off my NBA career where I have a crazy contract during the season to promote an album? Do you know how crazy that might sound to the coach or the commissioner or to your teammates? Especially because this guy's a, a good player. They need him. He, you know, he adds a lot, right? There's no I in team. Well, this is, you know, that, there's truth to that. 
And if you're the teammates and you're like, yo, what, what the fuck, dude? You want to go promote your album? That's cool. Do it in the off season. Do it on your own time. Like, what the fuck? We need you. So I'm sure that didn't make a lot of people happy. Uh, now we're going to go to a different sport in quotation marks, you know, entertainment slash sport, pro wrestling, WWF, WWE now, I guess, right? I'm old school. Um, and it is a sport in the sense that it's athletic, takes a lot of physical um, strength and aptitude, and the bodies take a fucking toll, like maybe more than most sports. But there's a um, the component of entertainment, that's why they call it sports entertainment, is so big. These guys are essentially actors. I don't think the transition from wrestling to acting is as hard as other people assume it is or from other sports to it because they're acting all the time. It's not like an NFL dude becoming an actor. These guys are acting all the time. They're playing characters. I mean, they're still, you know, getting body slammed and jumping off the fucking turnbuckle. But um, it's an interesting one. So maybe it makes it easy to transition to something else. But music, they ain't doing music. Macho Man Randy Savage, though, a very iconic, well-known wrestler of all time. Rest in peace. Uh, he had a great voice. It's Slim Jim commercials. Check those out. Raspy, distinctive, crazy. Maybe good for voiceovers or animation or, or endorsing Slim Jims. Uh, but he, he put it on wax. His, his song in 93, uh, oh, they, they, they did a WrestleMania album in 93, which I'd love to hear for jokes. Uh, and then he wrote, that was just singing. He released a fucking rap album in 2003, which is kind of late. I, th I think he might have been retired by then, uh, called Be a Man, which I would love to hear. Is this like, is he the, the wrestling rap Jordan Peterson, the Andrew Tate of the squared circle and the fucking studio, Be a Man? Is he trying to big you up? Eat Slim Jims, do steroids, catch a really crazy tan like me, and you could, you could make it? I don't know. Um, it was a diss track, though, in, in truth. Uh, it was not about raising boys to men. <laughs> and it wasn't aimed at who, but his longtime rival, Hulk Hogan. Um, this is like after the peaks of their career. Although I know Hogan would keep wrestling for a while, but it just kind of seems funny. I don't know if it was a serious diss track. I, I mean, the wrestling beefs tend not to be serious in the ring. There's real beefs that become a fallout, but that's yeah, after that. Um, in line with the contact sports, we're going to go Manny Pacquiao. Very famous professional boxer from the Philippines, a dude who also ventured into politics. Um, he had a couple albums. I can't, I'm going to fuck him up, so I ain't even going to try to pronounce them. The only one I can pronounce is Pac-Man Punch, which is cute, you know, playing off the, the notoriety of his ferocious fists. Uh, 2006, 2007, and 2015, he got three albums. Uh, one of the greatest boxers ever. One of the few artists from Southeast Asia to get a song on Billboard, uh, he covered this um, Sometimes When We Touch song that was a Dan Hill song. I don't even fucking know who Dan Hill is. Uh, but it peaked at number 19 on the Contemporary Adult chart on Billboard. Contemporary Adult sounds like the shit that plays in like offices in the waiting room or like, you know, just terrible. You probably never listen to it. Um, and it went for a couple of his albums, I think, went platinum in the Philippines. You know, that hometown support and love. I don't know how it did outside of that. Um, and he retired from music in 2015 because he was trying to run for president in 2022. Don't know how that worked out for him. Um, you know, I mean, you get hit in the head a lot. Boxing, CTE. You, you look at, like, older boxers. It's sad to watch them. George Foreman named all his kids George. I don't know if that was a joke or from the head injuries, but your, your president, you know, 
getting hit in the head for 15, 20 years and then, you know, trying to run a country. That's that's crazy. But then again, we have an 80 year old president right now who can barely fucking talk and stumble. So shit, man. I mean, I don't know. It's it's funny like that. Um, Roy Jones Jr. All right. Another boxer. You don't see a lot of NFL players doing music, maybe except Deion Sanders, because of the, the head injuries, like I'm just talking about. But Roy Jones Jr., he may, you know, some people say the greatest boxer ever, most successful, or, uh, no, no, I'm tripping, that, uh, that's fucking, what's his name, dude? Uh, uh, dude, I'm all over the place. But he was a very, you know, popular boxer, and, uh, you know, it's, it's tough. Like, if you got hit in the head a lot, can you... Remember your lyrics? Are you writing clever shit? Can you even rhyme? Can you stay on beat? Maybe you can if you do it when you're young. Um, but you don't see a lot of that because, uh, I don't know, man. You got fucking beat up for a living. Even when you win, you really lose. Word to Rosie, uh, Rosie Perez. Cauliflower ears and fucking black eyes on the reg, dude. Oh, my God. Cut me. Cut me, Mickey. Your eyes are all puffy in the ring. Um, but, you know, like we said, you're the best at your sport. Your ego gets inflated to unnatural bounds. You feel confident as fuck. You want to try it. And you just don't care. Uh, but, he, he, you know, he had a lot of uh, notoriety of his career. Won a lot of titles. And then he eventually went broke. Um, blowing what they say was about 98 mil in fucking fortune. Good God, you've got to have gotten hit in the head a lot to blow 98 mil. You couldn't just keep one mil somewhere safe in the ground in a fucking... In a, in a posit box. Good God, dude. But they say a lot of it went to fund his rap career. I get it, man. You're passionate about something. You're going to sink money into it. You want to make it work. But 98 mil? Dude, at some point, you got to be like, nah. Or you got to have some yes men turn to no men and be like, dude, stop. But if it's Roy Jones Jr., you might not want to say that because he might lay you out with a fucking jab or an uppercut. God, well, I mean, I guess it was, maybe they think some of it was well spent. He had a, a quote-unquote banger called I Smoke, I Drank uh, that was on some compilation. I don't think that really did much. Looking back, maybe he's feeling like shit. Should have spent 98 motherfucking mil. Um, going back to another regal, quiet sport that's, you know, clapping uh, golf. John Daly. Or, yeah, I'm saying that right. I don't like golf. Yeah, I played it. No, I can't watch it. Uh, I'm not down with the country club vibe. It's kind of usually thought of as uptight, snotty, maybe those with money, quiet crowds. I'm not saying that's everyone that's into it. I'm just saying that's kind of what many people associate it with, and that's what I do. This dude, John Daly, um, was known as a wild man, at least for golf, like real wild, which I do like. I don't know a lot about him personally, but... Um, he, he partied pretty hard and then would golf. He's known for saying, uh, one thing my dad taught me, don't do anything illegal, he said. And so he, then he follows that up with alcohol isn't illegal. So he ain't doing drugs and, you know, killing hookers, but he's drinking his fucking ass off. 1991 PGA champion. He, uh, he had to go to rehab clinics to kind of get a hold on his drinking problem that he said he started drinking at eight. That's fucking early. I probably started at 12. He would make claims, I don't know if this is real or not, he would drink like 35, 40 beers. 35 to 40 beers. Like, fuck, man, that's heavy. How are you not on, a, on the couch sleeping? Followed by whiskey. Then sober up by like the 13th hole in play. He, he was like the Chris Heron or the Wade Boggs of golf. Uh, Chris Heron was an NBA player, played for the Celtics, the Nuggets. He had a crazy opiate addiction and would like score Oxycontins at halftime and sink three-pointers. Or Wade Boggs was just known for pounding fucking... 
lots of beer. Watch that uh, that Always Sunny episode. But yeah, dude, John Daly, he won the U.S. Open, the British Open, and then he uh, he sang fucking backup vocals on a Kid Rock album in 2007, which is hilarious, because I guess he's in the country and rock. He did two solo albums. Um, you know, maybe you're not in the country and shit like that. I'm not. Haters gonna hate, naysayers gonna nay, but uh, I guess he's not bad at the, the singing of the country. I don't know how to really judge. That's not my forte, country. But uh, I guess he had a hit that was... Uh, did pretty decent, hit it hard, like hit the golf ball maybe, or hit the bottle, <laughs> maybe he was hitting the bottle, then the golf ball, um, then I guess he just dropped an album a few years ago called Whiskey and Water, which is probably his go-to drink, which is great, uh, I love that he owns it, um, that's kind of funny, and like, he had Willie Nelson on the fucking record, which is interesting, because Willie's uh, a smoking dude, he's known for blazing ganja, best celebrity or famous person, um, weed strain pre-roll I ever had, Willie Nelson. I was on tour with his band, and our security guard had just come off a tour with Willie doing um, security for him. Security guards, you know, on tour, they don't smoke. They got to be on point. He gave me this this Willie Nelson pre-roll. It was fantastic. Fucking fantastic. Um, yeah, anyway, next. Another boxer, dude. Maybe this dude is like the Roy Jones competition. Oscar De La Hoya. He gave a shot at music uh, at the peak of his career. And he came out with a Grammy. So, man, this guy this guy hit it right. All the other dudes are like, fuck, what did he do we ain't do? And this is at the peak of his career, too, not after. Uh, he got nominated for Best Latin Pop Album of the Year. Lost to Shakira. Um, oh, yeah, he didn't come out with the Grammy. My fault. He came out with a Grammy nomination, which is still a big deal. Lost to Shakira, who I'm going to have to assume is just a far better musician. And this is 2001. Uh, a lot of people think that his he did well musically because he songs that were in English and Spanish and the Spanish speaking community is very supportive of their music artists it, it always have been and that's a beautiful thing and he appealed to a wider audience and he was one and done I kind of respect that he didn't follow it up with another album so he dropped one did pretty good and that was it he's done I respect that out on top back to the WWF or WWE John Cena and we know John Cena now is pretty much only acting. Lots of you know, superhero movies and whatever. And he's a good actor. Again, wrestling's got a lot of acting. Um, but uh, it wasn't just that. He did a rap album. He, I mean, I, I think that was his like wrestling persona for the most part. I didn't really watch wrestling at this time. But uh, he's, I know he's from Mass. He's from outside of Boston. On his first album, he had some... Um, he had 7L, Esoteric and 7L. Fucking local Boston hip-hop dudes. He had Bumpy Knucks on a fucking, you know, Freddie Fox on a record. That's crazy. Because he's, he's a very respected dude in hip-hop. Um, and he's not one of those dudes to mess around and fuck around with. Not a lot of people would talk shit to him. So, you know, you think he's on a shit. He's got to have some respect for Cena's skills on some level. Um, that's, you know, it's interesting because he, the album sold a million copies. He went fucking platinum. You Can't See Me, which is like his famous thing where he shakes the fingers, which is basically Tony Yayo shit. I don't know. He should have got fucking Yayo on the record. Shout him out. Um, and uh, yeah, he did good. I mean, this guy went fucking platinum, dude. And some people say it saved his career. I guess maybe, you know, when you're in wrestling, you got you to gotta carve your niche. You got to, what separates you from the pack? Usually it's a gimmicky thing, which is fine. Or you got to be, uh, you know, one specimen, uh, specimen of a human. But that don't really cut it anymore. Everyone's fucking jacked up on whatever HGH shit. So the rap shit kind of gave him his own little lane. 
and um and it got uh, oh and he it caught the eye of uh you know what's her name stephanie mcmahon she was the executive back then vince's daughter and i think that just kind of pushed him into the forefront of of the wrestling stars which led to look at his fucking hollywood career um and one honorable mention i'm gonna do um this is a reverse one that has nothing to do with uh athletics is rapper turned comedian ti tip atlanta very successful musician. He's acting. He's got tons of businesses. He trying stand-up comedy, and this is recently. Uh, and like I said earlier, comedians don't like that. It makes him a butt of a lot of jokes. Even on a new Freddie Gibbs album, he has Joe Rogan and uh, Jeff Ross on different skits, two comedians. And one of the, the Jeff Ross skit, he says something along the lines of, it's like him leaving a voicemail for Freddie Gibbs. And he says, Freddie, come on, I got you a... Uh, a set opening for comedy for T.I. at the whatever venue, you know, clown and T.I. I saw about two minutes of a T.I. stand-up skit and it's, or, you know, man. Dude, stick to rapping. Like, that's got to be ego shit. That's got to be ego shit. It was, yeah, oh, not good. Not good, man. Um, Bruce Dickinson. He's the front man of Iron Maiden, a very legendary operatic singer for a very legendary metal band. He also flies... Um, their Iron Maiden plane were on the tour, which is kind of fucking crazy. But yeah, he's a um, a fencer, you know, like duel, like on guard, and they pull out the swords. He's an incredible fencer, I guess. And uh, he's ranked seventh in Great Britain at fencing um, in 89, which is like they're already, you know, Iron Maiden's already been popping for a while. That's kind of wild. And then in 2013, he was in his 50s, and he also like was fencing, and um, he was killing it, dude. I mean, he's like a damn good fencer. I don't know how much like that takes out of you. Um, I know nothing about fencing, but that's kind of cool. And it's, it's interesting. It's a low-key sport that a lot of people probably don't know. Ah, oh, man. MC Hammer. Baseball. MC Hammer and baseball. Long before uh, You Can't Touch This was a huge hit and he became a fucking pop star. MC Hammer. Stanley Burrell. He, uh, he... Earned a major league experience, you could say. He grew up in, the, you know, he's a Bay Area dude. Grows up in the Bay. He was a bat boy for the Oakland A's in the 70s. And um, I guess somebody saw him, maybe the owner or the coach of the A's, saw him, you know, uh, selling stray balls out in the parking lot and stuff like that. And they hired him to be a bat boy. And uh, his nickname uh, was Hammer, was given to him because he kind of resembled... Hammer and Hank Aaron, very famous uh, baseball player. And then he played high school ball and earned a tryout with the, the, the Giants, San Francisco Giants. They passed over him. He joined the Navy and then becomes, you know, big pop rap star. But he, he was close. Nelly, St. Louis Nelly, also baseball. Um, he's also a fitness guru now. I didn't know that. Did not know that. But he, he said he like found solace and peace in the game, stability, after, you know, when he was a kid, after his parents divorced and... You know, it's kind of, you know, St. Louis is grimy, so baseball was a way to kind of, I don't know, keep him on track and find peace in his head. And he got scouted by the St. Louis Cardinals and the Pittsburgh Pirates, but this is also when he's starting to, you know, him and the St. Lunatics are starting to push their, their music, and uh, he had a single that kind of popped locally before the baseball shit did, and so he went with that. He started to pursue that when it did great. I mean, fuck, you know, he had everybody rocking Band-Aids, and he was killing it, and it was hot in her. It was quite hot in her. Billy Ray Cyrus, country music, also baseball, also Miley Cyrus's dad, if you're young. Uh, but before his daughter was born, this is actually before his 
fucking you know career broke out with an achy breaky heart. He was trying to be a baseball star. He was in Kentucky. That's where he's from, playing high school. Got a scholarship to play at uh, some college. Then um, life, you know, they, I, it, you know, you could say it threw him a curveball. If I was being cheesy, he was at Georgetown where he was gonna, you know, be having this college baseball career. Went to a Neil Diamond concert. Wow, Neil Diamond, very inspirational, and was so inspired. He dropped out of college and became a fucking musician. That's wild. Neil Diamond, fun fact, sings the song Sweet Caroline, which is always played at Fenway Park Red Sox games, which I've heard too much growing up, and I fucking can't stand it. Kenny Chesney, another country dude, loving baseball. Uh, Tennessee dude, but he became a diehard Boston Red Sox fan, so I have uh, a partial respect for him. I don't know shit about his music or his wife, so don't fucking judge me. But, hey, you're a Red Sox fan and you're from Tennessee. That's interesting, so that's cool. Um, but, yeah, he was super into to baseball and um, likes to hang out with the Red Sox. I don't know. I don't think he really got farther than maybe high school or college. Uh, then Ronnie Van Zant. He was the, the late former frontman of Lennon Skinner, passed away. Jacksonville, Florida. The Skinner ain't from Alabama, you know, contrary to popular belief. They're from Florida, Jacksonville. Although Florida connects to Alabama, but he ain't from that side. Uh, he liked boxing. He was a huge fan of Muhammad Ali. That was like a hero to him, but he also loved baseball. And he tried to pursue it because he was pretty good at it. And he uh, played for the American Legion League. I don't really know what that is. It's like double A. Um, I don't think it's like minors. And he had a good batting average and a good arm, you know, um, but... Didn't just went to fucking do Leonard Skinner, who are great and fucking got some joints, and unfortunately he passed away. So wow, I left it on a fucking high note, huh? Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of others that I've neglected, forgot to mention. Adam, and maybe we'll do another part too. But some of these guys, you could tell, had a passion for the the athletic or the art that they wanted to pursue. And whether they did good at that or not could be up to you. Some are just victims of their ego becoming too powerful and then becoming egomaniacs like I could do anything I want to do music too I want to do comedy too dude you want to laugh or you know shaking your boots at how bad it is watch the fucking T.I. stand up um, it's not good T.I. if you're listening because I know you're a diehard fan don't judge me I'm just being honest um, yeah check out my books The Waiting Room Quicksand available on Amazon or anywhere books are sold audiobook too narrated by me uh, follow me on Instagram at Jake Frazek, J A K E F R A C Z E K, at Damaged Goods Podcast, at J the S on Twitter, J T H E S. If you like the podcast, I hate this part, um, leave a review and a rating on iTunes, maybe Spotify. I don't know if they do that. But anyway, I uh, hope you enjoyed this. And if you're really good at one thing, just stay really good at it. And if you have a second passion, do it for fucking fun in the garage or the basement. <laughs>